As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a handbrake off. Hello, I'm Ian Stone and welcome to the first pod of what I guess we can call the new season of Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast, brought to you by The Athletic. We have had a short break, which is more than I can say for some of our players. We'll get to that. Uh, And we're back with renewed vim and vigour, not least because we've made some signings. And we'll get to that as well. Uh, This week, I'm joined by two of the cognoscenti of the Arsenal and of football generally. Uh, It's Amy Lawrence and Adrian Clark. Morning. Good morning. Morning. Nice. (laughs) Hola. Nice to see you, guys. Um... (laughs) Me and Amy were chatting a bit earlier today, Adrian, about the fact that we'd be sort of deep into the group stages of the World Cup right now. Obviously, what we were hoping for was a massive summer tournament, uh, but Mm -hmm. as it's turned out, we're going to have to wait uh, for that summer tournament until the winter. So, Adrian, how have you been filling your (laughs) football-free time? Well, yeah, it's, it's a good question. I just... Meeting people that I don't have time to meet anymore. <laughs> Just <laughs> seeing friends that I haven't seen for ages because the season's so relentless. I don't know what it's like, you know, for Amy, it's pretty, it's the same, isn't it? It's just that, that nine, ten months is so full on that I barely have time to sort of breathe. So I'm just, I enjoy having a break and I actually, I'm enjoying not having the World Cup because no doubt I would have had some work around it or I hope I would have done. And it's quite nice to just tick over, not do too much at this time of the year, uh, just to sort of get, yeah, get my energy replenished. uh, I know what you mean, Adrian. Mm. It is, it is quite relentless, isn't it? And last Mm. season did feel quite relentless. And I I definitely enjoyed a couple of weeks away, but I've got to be honest, when I saw all the, uh, the Twitter noise about, um, about Vieira, Fabio Mm -hmm. Vieira, our new uh, surprise signing, I think one can say, Mm -hmm. I got excited again. And I just thought, oh yeah, Oh, yeah, this is what I'm in it for. It was nice to have a couple of weeks off. Amy, how have you been uh, filling the aching void? <laughs> I don't know, sadly staring at the walls and, you know, wallowing. <laughs> and, uh... Oh, I love a bit of wallowing. It's great, isn't it? It really uh, is nice. I, I must say, though, on the subject of the kind of absence of World Cup, I'm really feeling it. And every time something pops up on Twitter, some sort of like, oh, 36 years ago, 
this, you know, sensational goal from someone at Mexico 86. Oh, my God. And it's upsetting me. But how bad would England have been at this World Cup, given their reason? I don't think it would have been a World Cup. I don't care. I just, you know, there's nothing to compare to that month. There's nothing in the rest of the, you know, four years minus a month that's around it that compares with that period of time when it's, look at outside, the sun is shining, the days are long, you can get together with your mates, there's people in the street, everyone's talking about it, everyone's watching it, you can't keep up with what's going on because there's four games every minute. <laughs> it's bliss and I really miss it and I'm yeah. really worried that the World Cup in, you know, winter, when it's dark and gloomy and people are not connecting in the same way is just going to be... Not the same experience. It is what well, I, mean, I to agree. have eight years between World Cup summers is just pants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so to summarise, you've been chilling out and seeing friends, Adrian. Amy, you've been staring at the wall, wishing there was uh, a flat screen TV showing Denmark against Nigeria oh, at nine oh, o'clock in the morning oh. or something like that. <laughs> I know. Anyway, we do, of course, have the uh, the new season to look forward to. And by the way, Amy, it does start a week earlier because of the World Cup in the winter. So it's not quite as long. A gap, but you know what? I'm just looking for some sort of solace for you, and the look you're giving Thanks. me is suggesting it doesn't really help. But the players um, won't be knackered at the World Cup. Very light, quick one on this: the players won't. They, they you can see that they're exhausted. We might actually get better football at this World Cup because they're sort of in the peak fitness. Who knows? Well, I don't know. I, do you know what Amy was talking? Me and Amy were talking about this, and Amy, you were saying that you don't believe that is the mm. case. Whereas I actually agree with Adrian. Mm. I think they get four weeks off now. Listen, we watched England in the last few weeks and it's obvious that they genuinely want to be on the beach and I think in some cases deserve to be on the beach. Um, And I think they need a break. So come the next World Cup, it'll be in the middle of the season when they're all up and running and they'll all be raring to go, won't they? Or (laughs) you think differently, Amy? You think they're not going to get much of a break? This season ahead is completely impossible to predict because, you know, I, I keep looking at, the squad and the players and the fixtures and thinking, how is it going to shape up when you're building, you know, the the focused on domestic football, European football. And then as things, you know, get closer and closer to the world cup, it's going to be more and more in everybody's consciousness. People are going to be either examining players because of the world cup coming up, or there's going to be like, Oh my God, so-and-so's got injured. It's a metatarsal. (laughs) Oh, you know, whatever they're going to, there's all that stuff. It's going to have these it's extra true. layers of anxiety and paranoia and weirdness and talking points. And then we're going to have the World Cup, however weird or, or wonderful it might end up being. But then, like, eight days after the final, it's like the Premier League starts again. And I'm I'm struggling to get my head around that. And I think players yeah. who have played in that World Cup and who have potentially got to semis and finals, uh, with all the emotional kind of uh, weight that that adds might find that when they come back, it, you know, getting kind of parachuted straight back in. And how strange is it going to be that even if you just look at Arsenal's squad, so, you know, some of those guys are going to come back from the World Cup, hopefully latter stages, and be faced with a whole bunch of guys who have had a really, presumably, really nice winter break. Because if you're not going to the World Cup, 
what are you doing? If you're Thomas Adrian? Partey, who didn't qualify, or you're Martin Odegaard, who didn't qualify, or you're yeah, ticking over, qualify. aren't they? They'll be practice well, matches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, you know, you'd like to think they probably get a holiday as well. Yeah, yeah, they'll definitely be given a, a week off, won't they? So at least. there's yeah. going to be a real weird imbalance between where everyone's at in the squad. You know, these finely tuned athletes are are you know the whole plan is geared towards getting them to some sort of peak physically yes. and mentally for matches. But people are sort of going to be all over the place. I think it's going to be interesting in that kind of month or so post World Cup. I think people will be all over, teams will be all over the shop. Before we talk about the the fixtures which came out yesterday, Adrian, on that point, mm. would you? I mean, obviously, you'd rather be going to a World Cup yeah. and playing into the latter stages. But if you, in terms of how you how it works physically, do you think you'd be better off having played four or five games and then flying back and, and getting straight into it? Or would you be better ticking over, training and maybe having a week off in the winter? I mean I think I think just keep going. Like I'm a little bit old fashioned in that in that sense. I just think well, it's it's like uh, they, I was listening to the cricket the other day and they were talking about bowlers. They're saying that the reason bowlers get injured so much at the moment is because they're allowed so many breaks. But when in the old days, they used to just bowl for their counties, bowl Flog for England. <laughs> yeah, just keep bowling. But because they're doing it every day, yeah. it's, it, it, their bodies get attuned to it. And I think football is similar to that. So I think it would actually be better for the players involved in the World Cup um, to sort of keep yeah match fit as such. But we'll on, see, the flip side, on the flip side, yeah, look, it'd be nice to have a, a week's holiday and, and sort of tick over for a little bit. So, yeah. Let's see how that goes. Um, as Amy was saying, it is... Um, it is going to be weird this season uh, because of the World Cup, but but a big day yesterday, fixture release day. Um, Arsenal, of course, have a tough away game at London rivals Crystal Palace this time on the opening Friday night of the new season. And I, by the way, I should say, uh, listener, that I'm not saying it's a conspiracy theory. Uh, I'm saying it's not a theory, is what I'm saying. Uh, they would love us to implode again. Jamie Carragher dancing on the pitch with Patrick Vieira or whatever will happen. Adrian, do you place much store in fixture announcements? I mean, we can say that October, we've got nine matches including Tottenham, Liverpool, Man City home may well be a pivotal month. January, we've got Newcastle, Spurs and Man United. Do you look that far ahead as a player? Do you... I, my eyes are always drawn to the start and the finish. Just, I just immediately look at the start and the finish and, and I like the start this year, apart from the first game. I think that's a real tough one. Yeah, we've won one, one in eight against Crystal Palace. They're a little bit of a bogey team. Yeah, um, never used drawn... to be that way, did it, Amy? No, no, <laughs> no but but no. they've given us some really tough games in recent recent seasons. So I like the start generally, but then I, I look at the running, and that's what stands out to me. So that's the business end, and obviously the last few seasons Arsenal have faltered at, at in that final furlong. And I look at it, and I'm, it, it makes me nervous. We need to we need to have a good cushion, I think, because you look at it. City away, lost that last year. Chelsea at home, lost that last year. Newcastle away, lost that. Brighton at home, lost that. Forest away, lost that in the cup. Uh, and then Wolves at home to finish, which we did actually win. Just, Only just. just yeah, so, so for me, it's a re- it's a rock hard run in of sides that have been really awkward for us. So yeah, that that was where my eyes were drawn. I'm afraid I was a bit negative. <laughs> I'm getting that. Mm. I am getting that. Amy, <laughs> what about you? You saw the fixtures. I mean, Palace away is definitely a tough game to start with. We got we got boss there at the end of last season. How are you feeling uh, about that opening? Uh, those opening few games. I didn't think it was too bad after Palace. 
Yeah, I mean, the first one, you know, it's pretty nasty if you don't get off to a, a, an acceptable start. So the fact that it was one of uh, Arsenal's worst performances last year is not ideal, perhaps. But I think I would just say that the most important thing is be ready, by which I mean the squad needs to be ready because the squad was far from ready the, this, you know, the beginning of the season last year. And I'd, you'd like to think that the team that settled in by sort of uh, the middle of autumn might have done better with those opening fixtures than was the case where it felt like they could have played for a year in each of those fixtures and would only have lost by more. The one thing I would say, uh, Adrian, about your uh, lost that last year, lost this last year <laughs> kind of um, do, sort of doom omen scenario is that, you know, it doesn't take a genius to work out that the number of defeats was a huge problem last season. And, you know, a lot of those have to be turning into draws, really. It's a strange season in that there was, you know, a lot of wins and a lot of draws and, sorry, a lot of defeats and not many draws last year. But I think there needs to be a bit more stability and solidity. That means some of those defeats get avoided. That's key to making Arsenal more competitive. And when you think about missing out on the top four by a couple of points, you're talking about one game going a bit better out of many. But I'm sure that Mikel Arteta and the squad that he puts together will be trying to make sure there's a lot of a fewer number in that L column. Yeah, I think that's that's fair enough. Um, and, and hopefully won't be decimated by COVID for the first game of the season as well, which mm. would probably help. You can keep up to date with all things Arsenal by heading to athletic.com forward slash Arsenal pod, where you'll find a special offer of £1 a month for six months. OK, time for a bit of transfer chat. Yesterday, as I said in the intro, we suddenly saw out of nowhere uh, Fabio Vieira, 22-year-old Portuguese midfielder, 40 million, he's about 40 million pounds, something like that, from um, from Porto, from FC Porto. Amy, I'll start with you on this one because... Uh, well, you're going to start with Adrian, come on. Well, I, <laughs> My question to you, Adrian, go on. is unlike you can't do this. You Did can... you Had you heard of him? Come on, did you know about it? No, of course I hadn't. No. <laughs> no. I, was hoping, I was hoping that you, I regard you as a bit of a don of knowledge. I was no, well, that you would have no said, well, the reason, enough. I just, because I do so much work on the EFL and so much yeah. work on the Premier League, I, there is no time for me to follow really the, the Portuguese league. You know, I watch the Champions League, of course, but only only often highlights of Porto. So he would, yeah, he's a player that, that had escaped my attention, I have to confess. <laughs> We've all watched the highlights, real no, I'm assuming now. And and yeah. although I did, my son did say to me, oh, everyone looks good on a YouTube highlights reel. He said, you could put together a highlights reel that looks half decent. <laughs> I thought, well, actually, I couldn't, but I thank you. But he did look pretty good. He looked tricky. He's 22. Um Reading some of the uh, the tweets from some of the uh, the guys who do follow Portuguese football, they all say that he's a star in the making. Before we get to where he plays, Amy, the song. I mean, obviously, he is called Vieira. Um, <laughs> we have had a pretty good Vieira in the past with, I'd like to say, my favourite song. Although I'm told, Amy, you mentioned this this morning before we went on air, there was another Vieira song that didn't quite take, really. And you would prefer that one. Oh, I, I, 
some away games around sort of peak Vieira time, though it was it, it never quite got taken on by the masses. But there was you know those songs that like a few people sing. Yeah, oh, I thought it was just fantastic. And for whatever reason, this bunch of guys used to sing to the tune of Macarena. My old man's got a second-hand Sierra. Whoa, Pat Vieira. <laughs> I remember that one. I, I remember just, that one. I just yeah. thought it was so sweetly funny that I, I, I have affection for that song. Um, do you know what I do? the Vieira song is iconic. And that's why I, you know, we spoke earlier and, listener, I must tell you that after a little bit of my ranting about songs, understandably, justifiably, Stoney said, Amy, you're weird. Um <laughs> Which I accept. I I did say that. I did say that. Only because, I mean, look, Amy essentially was saying that certain songs, sorry, can I just say this? Amy was saying that certain songs should be retired, essentially, like the shirt. Like the shirt. We were saying that, what what do you have, like a button, and there's the song lyrics behind a glass screen, and you push the button and you could hear it. It's like in a museum. Oh, yeah, that was the Vieira. I could take my grandchildren. That's a slightly extreme interpretation of of, of retirement. What I mean is when it's an iconic player and an iconic song Mm. like that, I think you reserve it for that player. So you can sing it as much as you like, but you just Mm. still sing it about. We can't stop this one being sung. I know, I realise I'm fighting an an unwinnable battle. uh, (laughs) It's true. It is true. It started started last season with the Benny White, White, White thing, which I find abominable. People aren't Um, singing that, though, actually, are they? some people are. Yeah, okay. Well, I I actually, I must admit, I'm going to join in. No, I'm going to join in with, no, I'm going to join in with Weird Amy here (laughs) by saying, (laughs) by saying, that I don't think you should sing the Benny White 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 song because it just sounds odd. Yeah, Whereas he's not Benny, is he? He's not Benny for a start. <laughs> I, and and people of a certain age think of Crossroads. It's just I, rubbish. Well, it's, I what, think if someone called him Benny to his face, he'd knock you out. Exactly. So, but 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 Fabio Vieira, we are going to sing that song. Course, yeah, I yeah. love singing that song. To be honest with you. And, and when if we, we sang that song, we were good. going to be weird we, though. We, when we sung yeah. that song, yes, it was good times. You know, it was it was headier days, wasn't it? So. You know, maybe it will inspire another golden era. I don't know. Well, exactly, exactly. Let's let's think of it in those terms. Um, so we don't know a huge amount about this guy, um, really. Um, I mean, there's a possibility he'll compete with Martin Odegaard for a place. I know Mikel Arteta was talking about creative midfielders we used to have. He named Santi Cazorla and Cesc Fabregas. Oh. I'd add Alexander Kleb to that as well. There's been quite a few who we've had in the past who can really play. And I mean, Adrian, if he can come in and do a job there and, yeah. and that sort of level, that's absolutely fantastic. It's great to have competition, isn't it? And I think having two really good number 10s can't be a bad thing. Is it the position we need to strengthen the most? No, no way. And actually, I, I don't think creativity was a real issue last season. I thought we created... It was at times, wasn't no, it? I think compared, honestly, compared to previous seasons... It was on a different scale with the amount of chances we were creating. It was the finishing that was the problem last year. We had no one to finish the chances. So That being um, the case, are you excited by this kid coming along? Because like I say, I've seen the highlights oh, yeah. really, and that's oh, it. He looks he great. I, I love the final ball, the decision-making. He looks a real talent. The assist rate is fantastic. It is fantastic, uh, and, yes. And, 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 yeah, some must of, have some finishes then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but All you, we need. But if you, that's no point having though. creators, as good as Erdegaard, as good as this kid, if you haven't got 
proper strikers who 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 can bang in goals for fun. So that is the the absolute urgent necessity that we need to to sort out next. All right. I mean, before we get to that, and I do want to get to that, um, Marquinhos, um, 19 years old, three and a half million euros um, from uh, Sao Paulo, I think, apparently impressed in the Copa Libertadores. Edu has said he's a player for the future. It's it's another uh, potential player. Um, Hey, we'll see how he gets on. I know even less about him than I do about Fabio Vieira, uh, to be honest. Well, all right then. I mean, I, I was going to mention um, William Saliba, but let's talk about the strikers uh, at this point then. I mean, maybe this might change very, very quickly. Uh, all I read on Twitter, and I I mean, who knows where it's coming from, but um, is that Gabriel Jesus is coming at some point very, very soon. That, Amy, would be a signing that would excite you, I'm assuming. Yeah, I mean, that's not to say I'm not excited by Fabio Vieira or Marquinhos. Yeah. I think it's, you know, I think the way for Arsenal to reach that next level, when you look at the very, very best, when you look at the Champions League final and you look at Liverpool and Man City tearing it up, in the league. I think, it, you know, it always feels to me like for Arsenal to attempt to get closer, what they have to be doing is finding the world-class players just before they're world-class. And that's why I'm so uh, in favour of this policy. If they think Marquinhos at 19, in the same way as they did Martinelli a few years previously, can, you know, have the, the potential and, and it can be nurtured out of them, to become world-class. That's sort of the only way that Arsenal can do it at the moment because when you see Haaland going to Man City and there's an inevitability about that um, and when you see that even Real Madrid can't sign Mbappe, like, hello, you know, there's the signs are very clear. So in order to be able to have a chance and, and in many ways, that's basically what Wenger did. You know, he... He was lucky he already had Bergkamp, who was world-class, but he got Vieira and Henri and Pires and various others who became, you know, world-class, whether it was a Colo Torre or uh, uh, Ashley Cole coming through from slightly different paths. But it's getting them while you can. And that's the way. And Saliba, you know, everybody hopes is going to develop into that player for Arsenal and it'd be fascinating to see if he gets that chance this year. So... I think, you know, that's what I think the Vieira signing is about. I don't, as Adrian said, getting the striker was the priority, but maybe sometimes a talent presents itself that you just can't miss. Yeah. That's and exactly. I think yeah. that, you yeah. know, you're, you're maybe scratching your head a bit saying, why, you know, why another number 10? Yes. Why a guy who can maybe, you know, is maybe looking at Saka's position or, or, or Erdegaard as sort of an alternative for, you know, that's not really the, the thing that's mostly needed, but, if you see something you think might be gold dust, I think that's where Arsenal have to go for it. Definitely. And I, I'm, I'm all in favour. Yeah, me too. Um, but as you said, Gab- sorry, I've gone uh, gone off on one, but Gabriel Jesus, it looks to all, in, uh, uh, you know, all the signs are that Arsenal are working extremely hard to get this one done. Um, there was a worry, I think, at one point that the Champions League might have impacted on the players' own desires. Uh, I think if they can overcome that, it looks like one of those deals that, strange sometimes you get it where there's you know there's a there's not that many strikers out there and I'm surprised there's not competition so I sort of 
almost wonder why are other clubs not going for him if he's available at that sort of a price. But it, all the signs are suggesting that it's he's going to come to Arsenal. So I think the, the, the key would be to get that one done as quickly as possible. Absolutely, and I suppose I, I suppose on that point, uh, Adrian, that Amy was making about this these, this young team with potential, you know, we did get bullied a couple of times last year, most notably at Spurs and away at Newcastle, and and I suppose when I was asking Amy about uh, Jesus and bringing in some experience, really, someone who's played there at the top level, mm. um, that's the sort of signing that elevates this particular group of players I think he's won medals he's won things hasn't he he's won the league so he's he's got that he's sort of been um, coached the pet way he's got that mentality that's important as well he's a good age proven his strike record isn't great we know that it's not Alexander Lacazette over the course of his Arsenal career has scored at a faster rate than Jesus has at Manchester City so that is something to take into account but he's a very good all round centre forward the pressing's great I think we saw at the end of last season he can finish, he can be a number nine. And yeah, I think being the main man at Arsenal might just elevate him. And I'm sure that's the vision Arsenal are selling to Gabriel Jesus. Look, you've been part of a great collection at City. You will be our main man, our talisman. We're going to build everything around you. And that's quite a, quite a pull. And it, it might just extract the very best out of him that, you know, that we haven't seen so far. And and in terms of strikers, uh, Eddie Nketiah, it looks like he may get the number 14 shirt I was reading this morning. Um, I mean, is that, does it matter, Amy? I mean, we, the, uh, our last, you know, we've had a couple of 14s that have been, or we've had a number 14 that was absolutely unbelievable. Do you think that adds more pressure or do you think that is almost a statement to him saying, go on then, take that shirt and, and you know, create some more magic in it? Or, I, I really don't matters? know. Until such a time as it's actually given to him, I I'm not too worried about no. commenting no. on no. the significance. Yeah, it would, it would, do you think it would help? Um, it would help to have Gabriel Jesus there for Eddie and Ketia, a top-class striker who he can compete with. <laughs> you, you know, this is Arsenal. You need you need three top-class strikers. You don't want two. I'm hearing that, that you know. People are saying, well, if we get Jesus and we got Nketiah, that's not enough. Not no. in my opinion. No. no way. Nowhere near enough because Martinelli is never used as a striker. He could do it, I think, but but he's ne- Arteta doesn't seem to want to do that. So pe- same with Pepe. You can't class him as a striker, whether he stays or goes. So no, we need three proper centre forwards. For me, we need Gabriel Jesus as the number one and a very promising tall striker Skamaka or Osserman are the two that sort of stand out um young tall offering us that different tactical option then you've got three you've got a horses for courses approach and I would imagine that 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 that, that signing competing with Edin Ketia to to be the sort of number two or sometimes play with Jesus in a wider role so um or, or on the bench and rested so yeah three three are absolutely necessary and Amy, you had you, you want to talk about a tall striker because it's something different, isn't it? Really? Well, not only that. I mean, you know, I think when you spoke before about Arsenal being bullied in certain games, it just needs some more size. And the players that are coming in are not big players. You know, no. the error is five seven and looks quite sort of waif like. Um, Jesus is a you know has got some solidity about him, but he's not tall. I, I just find I, I crave some height in the team. Uh, we are, are, are a small team, 
you know, across the board, apart from sort of at centre half, really. And I just think it's. Uh, I agree with Adrian. It's it's an absolute must. Uh, although it it's not necessarily something that you're hearing as being the priority, and that fascinates me. So, for example, if you can imagine, there's a certain amount of budget. If if Gabriel Jesus coming in is the striker, or the you know the main option of striker that they want, and instead of another striker, they've gone for the forty million on Vieira. <laughs> it fascinates me as a sense of what yeah. their thinking is. What's we don't know, plan? and we'll have to readdress this at the end of, at the end of the window. But I mean, presumably there is not a, 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 a an unlimited pot. If there well, was, you'd get the lot. Great, fantastic. There'll be sales. But there I'm sure there'll so be some it's sales. It's about selling players as well. well let's we, see it happen because selling yeah. has not been particularly productive for Arsenal. In these, Somebody like these Nicola seasons. Pepe, for example, I think probably it'd be better for his career to move on. Um, better for us. And, better for us. <laughs> how, 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 us how much do you think that, that somebody would pay for him? Maybe? 25, 30, maybe. Yeah, around that. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, so it's you're a massive to take loss. That. You're gonna have to take the hit, aren't you? And because I think you need the money to to then invest in a, a tall centre forward potentially. And we need a brute, is what we need. A we massive do. Kevin Davis type brute well, we do. to hold and, the ball up. And, I'm, I'm not well, even joking. The guy in Napoli is the one, but he's very expensive, isn't he? I mean, he's, he's tremendous in the air. He's this sucks. is Shamaka. Shamaka. No, this is Osiman. Oh, Osiman. Yeah, but he's got yeah. everyone's after him, aren't they? Well, they are, but. But, you know, yeah, if we show real ambition, he, he could be the answer because we've scored so many more goals that we don't score already. You know, just, just we never score headers. We put a lot of balls into the box, but very rarely score headers. Yeah. And this guy w- would undoubtedly bring extra goals. Skamaka is, is a little bit more raw, I think. But And, he, and I've looked at the goals that he scored and, and only three of the 16 were headers. He's a really good hold-up man. He's a great touch. Not that mobile, I've got to say. I don't think he'd be pressing like Arteta would want him to. Um, promising, um, but but not not at the same level, I would suggest, as, as Osman, even though he actually scored a couple more goals than the than Osman in, in Serie A last year. So we'll, we'll see. One other guy I wanted to mention, um, and we can talk more about these... Um, people we've been linked with but Rafinha um, definitely Leeds most um, exciting uh, attacking player I would say um, Amy do you think he would be someone that, that could work in our team I mean he's got some serious talent the boy we know uh, that yeah I think again this would be something that might be linked with uh, a sale of Pe- Pepe I think funds will need to be generated to make it's an upgrade, isn't it? Though? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, it is an upgrade. I think, yeah. <laughs> Jesus, yeah, I think it's a got, lot. Of I mean, they've both got good up. left feet, but, but Rafinha's is a want, isn't it? It's a much more consistent sort of end product from from Rafinha. It, it's maybe not quite so thin either. Pepe's little stick legs, you know. <laughs> they they call in France they call it uh, jambe de baguette, like. Uh, <laughs> If we signed Rafinha, though, (laughs) if we signed Rafinha, what would happen to Saka? Would Saka get moved to the left or would he be the understudy to Saka? Because Saka's obviously our our number one. He's the player of the the year. It'd be good. It would be good, don't you think? It'd be good, don't you think, to to not give Saka a rest, but at least, you know, if there's a Europa League game against, I don't know, the champions of Malta or someone, I think that that I'd be happy to see Rafinha turn out instead of Saka. No, that's a game for Amari Hutchison. 
That you know what? That's true. But you need cover in all positions, don't you? You need sit two in each position. Of course, yeah. If you're serious, you do. Right now, but, Saka. But I don't is think you're buying of... Rafinha to play Europa League no, away I don't. games no, against. No, I don't. You know, mm. you, you're mm. if you're serious about him, he's a, he's a serious contender. He's a class act. He's a class. It is. Player. It's yeah. difficult. I mean, it is difficult to to discern the plan sometimes. Uh, maybe the, I know how I say. Get sometimes. loads of great forwards. But, but see, again, see how that goes. We're, we're lacking who, goals. Rafinha. When I think of Rafinha, I think obviously scoring great goals. But I also think on the right, chops back onto his left, whips a gorgeous cross into the box for someone to attack. <laughs> we haven't got that person to attack it yet, have we? <laughs> so, so yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, but but uh, at some point, I'm I'm assuming there'll be an announcement in the next couple of weeks. Actually, by the way, if you want to read, uh, James um, has written a couple of really good pieces uh, in the last few weeks. One was about uh, William Saliba, who. Uh, one of the things he said about him, by the way, he said that he wasn't that good in the air um, compared to some of the other centre-halves. That that worried me a, a little bit, but watching him catch up with um, Kylian Mbappe did give me a, a slight little thrill, uh, I have to say. Anyway, you can read a detailed piece about, about Saliba and how he fits in and where he can play in our defence. Amy, on the phone this morning, we did have a little sort of mini podcast before we did this podcast. This <laughs> yeah, cheers morning. for the invite to that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah Amy phoned me. I didn't realise. We were wondering where you Sorry, were. Adrian. Um, <laughs> well, but, I, I did phone you, but I, I it was one of those where you'd phone me last night and I said, oh, I'm just, doing, I'm just getting the... Uh, lads from football trainer, call you back in a minute, and then it was like seventeen <laughs> Never heard hours later. Her. Never heard from her until oh, Christ, this morning. That was about six thirty last night. One of the things you said, Amy, was we still need cover in defence, particularly at fullback. Mm-hmm. I mean, essentially, what you said was you never want to see Cedric play for us again. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's fair enough. And Tavares is there's a question about Tavares as well. And in the end, the season, if if I mean, this, there's other things that went on, but the season was lost to a certain extent because our fullbacks got injured and. So we do need cover there as well, Amy, don't we? There's plenty to keep uh, Edu and Richard Garlic busy, let's be honest. Yeah. Good? Yeah. yeah. Get Fair it enough. right. Get Full it right. Impor- fullbacks are important. They're really important. And our first choice They've ones are great. They've never been more important, I don't think, yeah. in my whole fo- football watching life. No. no. Well, now they're attackers as well as defenders, aren't they? Yeah. Essentially. And, and, and look, both players missed so many games last mm. year, Tierney and Tommy Asu. So we have to have better quality cover, in my opinion. I mean, you've got the White and Saliba axis, both are capable of shifting over to right back if you needed. I think for me, left back would be the more of a priority. Yeah, just just better cover for, for Tierney. Okay, this is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. I'm Ian Stone here with Amy Lawrence and Adrian Clark. And next up, we'll have a brief chat uh, about uh, Alexandra Lacazette. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We were a bit uh, with the handbrake at the time. This is uh, Handbrake off Ian Stone, Adrian Clark and Amy Lawrence. Uh, for what is essentially our second podcast after the day, uh, of the day after Amy <laughs> unloaded about the song earlier. Have you got a suggestion for a Vieira song, by the way? Have you got another a Fabio Vieira song? Uh, I did put a call out on Twitter for, um, for something <laughs> yesterday, actually. Nobody's interested. Everyone just wants to <laughs> yeah, sing the old yeah. song. Yeah, all right, okay, forget it. I think, you know what, this, this has... I just a- quite like the idea of it being the second best Vieira to play for Arsenal. I thought it was funny. Oh, what? Att- well, I had an attempt at the song about that will uh, fill him with confidence, right? <laughs> well, it's a bit of a giggle. There's not enough. No, no. <laughs> You're right. Well, we'll see what happens again. Actually, Lacazette, Lacazette leaving does leave a bit of a hole in the in the original songs chant because that was a good one. I thought the that uh, was a good one actually. Um, it didn't quite. Sky. It 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 was a good song. It didn't. Adrian, it didn't quite work out for him, did it? I mean, I mean, we enjoyed having him there. I was pleased with the Wolves goal, couple of other moments, but really, fifty million quid. I don't know. I think he did okay. No, yeah. I do. I think he was better than maybe people will give him credit for because he had a bad last season. It was like a million miles his worst season. I was looking at his numbers, right? I'll just rattle them off quickly. So last season, four goals. One every four hundred and forty-seven minutes. The the other seasons, all 13, 13 or fourteen, basically, all under two hundred minutes a goal. So one four eight, one eight seven, one nine two, one five seven minutes per goal. And I'm looking at it last season. The following players were over two hundred minutes a goal: Jesus, Bowen, Havertz, Luis Diaz, Watkins, Antonio, Werner. All of these guys scored at you know, a slower rate than Lacazette has consistently scored at over the course of his time at Arsenal. So I think I think he's been good, but but yeah, not amazing. Yeah, I th- that's I think it was it's a six seven out of ten in it for his Arsenal career. Amy, really? Yeah, I mean, I think there were you know, I think even from the start it was difficult because when he first arrived, of course, there was a slightly strange period where he and Aubameyang virtually never were on the pitch together, and. It started under Arsene and then sort of continued uh, under Emery where he, you know, wanted to play either one or the other. It was, it was just complex, or certainly one one or the other in the centre, of course, I mean, it would go out wide. But, you know, it's a strange one because they had this fantastic rapport and relationship. Oh, we love watching them was, celebrate a goal. That was great, all the dancing and the, and whatever they were doing with their hands, but come yeah, on. Was that, there was that very, you know, I think that little golden period when um, it was the run towards the Europa League final of a few years ago, was it, was it Valencia away where I think one of them got a hat-trick and the other scored and they made goals for each other and they were all beauties and 
they look absolutely class together um, for, you know, at times. And of course, here we are and they're both gone now. So it's it's new era time. It's new page up front. And uh, I, I'm totally behind Adrian in saying, you know, thanks for the memories, but let's make sure we get plenty of firepower to improve on that. And more mobile firepower, perhaps. <laughs> than in his last season because the mobility yeah. I mean it was very interesting Adrian <laughs> I think I don't <laughs> necessarily want to dwell on Lacazette particularly <laughs> but the lack of mobility it did it did show it up didn't it you know Arteta's well, it, plan is for a forward to <clears throat> that's why Jesus would be a good signing yeah and Eddie Nketiah sort of Eddie, yes. exposed the limitations of, of, of Lacazette in those final weeks with those runs in, in behind the pace down the channels stretching opposition teams and and that's what he'd stopped doing hadn't he Alexander Lacazette just because it because I think he's aging and also because he'd enjoyed he'd enjoyed success as well as a number 10 hadn't he briefly in that sort of weird spell where he played in in midfield in the Europa League he's playing against Dundalk and you're going oh my god he looks brilliant yeah he just kept coming short kept coming short he's so predictable so easy to mark at the end that was the problem, and um, yeah, yeah, we needed some. We needed yeah more mobility, more pace. Up Good front. luck to him, is yeah. what we say. Amy, you were going to say something, there? yeah, but also more more mobility, more pace, but also more power, and that brings us back to you know look at Liverpool and and Man City and the fact that they've both bought absolute beasts up front. You know, you talk about oh the pressing style. That's what Arteta wants. Well, that got a Guardiola style of. You know, having a, a, a it doesn't a sort of more mobile pressing striker, but I think there's you've got to look around and see the trends. There's a reason why the two best teams who score the most goals have both gone and bought absolute powerhouses up front. Mm. Mm. What, what, well, what do modern when I think of modern central defenders, this, this current generation of, of defenders, what do they like least? <laughs> they don't want to defend crosses. It's all about how good they are on the ball, what, how quick they are. How composed they are. Can they play the ball into midfield or up front? They're not brought up in the same way as they were years ago to, no, to, defend, to, to no. defend the balls that come into the box. So if you've got someone that can attack crosses, then this it's really important. And we kind of haven't had... We've been really limited. We've hamstrung ourselves, haven't we? And I just think in, in football... It's a, you should always have a man for each occasion. <laughs> certain situations in games or certain teams that you play against, it will suit you to have a bigger guy up front. Another In another fixture, it will be that pace and mobility. I just think having tactical options is surely what, what Mikel Arteta would be looking for. Well, it's so ridiculous, aren't we? Either we have a whole season with just Giroud up front yeah. <laughs> or we have a season with five or six nippy strikers who can all beat a man, drop a shoulder, Do turn inside yeah. and deliver a great cross to the one bloke who's not there anymore. But anyway, let's not get ourselves upset before we start. Um, and by the way, these conversations will change. We've got another podcast next Tuesday and we'll keep going uh, through the summer and people will come in and the mood will change. Um Let's have a song before we What are we, we going to talk about on Tuesday? Um, I don't know. We're working out. as You know what? There'll be three new signings. I trust they're doing Richard Garlic. We can we can talk about our new £100 million, uh, Victor Ossiman. Uh, I don't know a huge amount about him, but hey, that would be great. Let's have a song before we go. Um, Amy, is it the Patrick Vieira song? No, it isn't, actually. You'd be surprised to hear. Isn't it? Okay. Uh, seeing as... Um, um, 
the new Vieira as such is uh, has arrived. I'm going for Portugal, the man, and feel Ooh. it still. Yeah, I like that. It's a good tune. I'll feel it still. It's great, Sil. I do mm. like that tune. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Very, very nice. Uh, what have you got, Adrian? Good tune. Or- yeah, no, predictable. Valare. <laughs> you got to play it. <laughs> it's back. It's back, baby. It is back. Stop saying. Oh, God. Portugal. Portugal. Come on. It still rhymes. The, it scans. Rhyme. Come on, Amy. It's there. I just um, love Patrick too much. That's the problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it will be a bit weird all singing the new Vieira song when we go to Palace on the first game of the season, by the way. Um, I am going... I, I know you think I'm some sort of idiot with my um, positivity and what have you, but oh, I, I am. I so love the excitement of a new season. And <laughs> You're three miles away. Don't peak too soon, Stoney. I know. I don't care. Anyway, I've gone for Everything's Coming Up Roses by Ethel Merman, right? It's from Gypsy, if you like a musical, okay? And um, because I genuinely... Why, look, if I can't feel like this now, when can I feel like this? Amy, we, we need to get a, uh, a some sort of meme or gif or whatever the kids call it of Amy looking at me going, you're off your nut. Uh, but, you know... Uh, <laughs> That's what I'm going for because I'm feeling pretty good. Um, yeah, we've got another podcast on Tuesday. I'll say, Lord knows what we'll be talking about, but we will be talking about the Arsenal. Uh, thanks, Adrian. Thanks, Amy. Thanks to Abby, our producer. And thank you, listener. Welcome back. We're off and running for a new season, which starts in about five weeks' time. Uh, <laughs> have a good week. See ya. See ya.